three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer Podcast, episode one zero four. Um, here we are. Josh and I are ready to talk about things after we just spent an hour watching arguably one of the dumbest movies on the face of the planet. Fall. So, so oh. everybody knows we talked about this a couple times. So Josh gets here at ten o'clock mm-hmm. to film the podcast. It's eleven thirty-five right now, and that's because I put on the movie Fall. Yeah. Before Josh got here, and I got about maybe 50 minutes into it, and then it just got so horrible that we couldn't stop watching it, <laughs> so we watched stop. the entire thing. It was like literally the worst premise I've ever seen in a movie. So in case anybody wants to know, the movie has three characters in the entire movie. <laughs> it's a girl, her dad, and her friend, yeah. and they climb a 2,000-foot radio tower just cause <laughs> just cause just cause and then they get to the very top and the ladder breaks and then they need to figure out how to get help to get down and it's the most ridiculous series of events ridiculous <laughs> so in case you guys want to watch it you can go ahead and do that but be warned it wasn't that great no. if you're like I guess if you really like Negan <laughs> he's the father and he's in it for probably like 10 minutes. Not even. So Maybe five minutes. It's a good cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to try to talk about some dog training related things. Yes. Uh, Josh, what's new? Uh, mm. Well, a whole lot, actually. I'm uh, very... <laughs> I just got completely booked out. Um, it's funny. We were talking about Alex. And uh, she hit me up. She's like, hey, my clients need like six shoots in the next two weeks. Mm. So, uh, I had to pack them in between everything I already had. So, like six uh, different people, six si- uh, the same client, but six different shoots throughout mm. their company. So, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're pretty packed for the next two to three weeks. Mm. This somehow has turned into the uh, best month I've ever had. That's tight. Yeah, in a <laughs> January, I never would have thought. So. January is always notoriously a slow month. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite the opposite for me this time. So mm. very excited. Strong uh, start. Yeah. Um, bar 32, I'm really, really excited about. Um, mm-hmm. I know I talked a little bit about it before, but <clears throat> the 26th, so next Thursday, after we, we have the next podcast, I go straight over there. Um, and it, their food is really Awesome. Yeah. 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 Eating there. Yeah. They they sent me some pictures. They got some uh, grilled octopus. You know, like the, the tentacle. And it's a sucker for a grilled octopus. Oh, me too. Um, and then like uh, this, was it? Pan, is it pancetta? I know is what it, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. If it's some kind of dip with it, and it just sounds amazing. So the cocktails are pretty, you know, standard, but uh, the food sounds like it's going to be pretty elevated. So. I'm yeah. really excited about it. Yeah, that'll be sweet. Yeah, are you it, gonna get like? Uh, are you gonna get like photos with like the view in the background and stuff? Is that the goal? Uh, right, right now we're just doing the product stuff, but I'm gonna come back and do um, interior, and then we're gonna try to get some. Yeah, with like. I think it'd be review. sweet if you had like a table, like right at the edge where the windows are, mm-hmm. like with like a meal laid out on it, and some like pictures of the yeah. meal where you can kind of see the lake in the background. Yeah, we're gonna try to do that for sure. That'd I'm, be fucking sweet. Knock on wood that we get a good Cleveland day. Yeah, seriously. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. So, um, but I think it's going to be a, a great working relationship because they also have um, the restaurant downstairs 
mm-hmm. and a, a, another separate bar, I think, in the lobby. But she was talking about that they need stuff done for that as well because they're really the the problem they're having is um, everyone thinks oh you have to be staying at the Hilton mm-hmm. to go to these restaurants. Nope. Which no, yeah, you can go right in. So. Yep. It's just trying to figure, you know, get this news out to people that aren't just staying at the Hilton. That hey, you can come here anytime. We're open, so yeah. I think uh, having the Hilton contact will be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean that could be sweet. Obviously, yeah. Give me that. Give me that uh, Paris Hilton money. That's right. <laughs> anyway, Wait, that was I'm it. an idiot. Is, is Paris Hilton's like family? Do they own the Hilton? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's how she has her money. Interesting. Billions. Billions, Billions. and. And hotels, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Um, very cool. <clears throat> um, well, we are uh, we are officially TikTok famous. Woo. So we... Woo. <laughs> we, we it's, TikTok's been the slow burn, man. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's interesting, right? So social media is such a wild game, right? It is. And it really is. Like everybody says, it's a game of consistency, mm-hmm. right? We have been so consistent with our social media platforms over the last, let's just say, three to four years, right? Yeah. And we've made some really good headway with stuff, right? Our channels have, have, have done very well considering, you know what I mean? Like, you know, from a local standpoint, I really don't think there's anybody else that has the following or puts out the amount of content that we put uh, or anything like that. You know, we're definitely, you know, we're definitely doing better than a lot of dog training companies just, you know, from a national standpoint. But obviously you get into the outliers of these like really mega, mega popular people on social media. Mm -hmm. And we've never been able to like really branch into that territory. You know what I mean? Like we've always been like above your local and regional kind of place, Mm -hmm. right? But not quite at that place where it's like, we're like globally exploding, right? Yeah. And not that we've done that just yet here, but we finally started getting some of our glimpses of it here, mm-hmm. right? We had a couple videos just freaking explode on TikTok over mm-hmm. the last uh, the last week here. One of them in particular of our new dog Thor that we've talked about a couple times on the podcast here now is at like I think like seven point three million views. We in like six days gained like 18,000 new followers which is an absurd Insane. amount obviously yeah. and really you know it's it's what everybody said where it is just the consistency game and just the keep plugging at it and putting good shit out and being analytical of the stuff that you're putting out and you know you'll continue to see mm-hmm. growth with it and i'm yeah. very interested to see how this continues to grow because you know all of our platforms Instagram is kind of like it's kind of stayed very stagnant lately. Like we've sat in like the fourteen thousand followers range for quite a long time, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because like we've been getting way more engagement lately than we ever have on our posts. Like I would say a majority of our posts that we're putting out are getting six, seven, eight hundred likes. You know, Mm -hmm. quite a few comments, stuff like that. And I feel like every time I freaking look at my phone, it's like twenty new followers, twenty new followers. But that number just doesn't want to climb, right? Yeah. I think it's, I don't know if it's a combination of like, we have a bunch of bots that are following us or something that keep getting like disconnected uh, oh, or yeah, what it maybe. is, but that number just does not want to grow. Uh, but from like a YouTube standpoint, like we're still, I mean, when we first started doing the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, because remember we switched it to the Miracle Channel, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when we first started it, we were only at like a thousand subscribers or something like that. Yeah. Like it was I like right I, in that range. Yeah. I think maybe 1,200. Yeah. Maybe. 1,000, 1,200, somewhere around there. You know, we're coming up on what, 37, 3,800 now at mm-hmm. this point. 
and just looking at like what other people have said, right? Like I remember we had Garrett on because Garrett obviously has 2 million TikTok subs. He's got a bunch of uh, YouTube ones and stuff like that. I think he said like up to 10,000 mm-hmm. was like so freaking hard. And I've heard other people talk about this. I know Casey Neistat used to talk about this all the time where he was like, you know, up into 10, you know, the first zero to 100 is so hard. Mm-hmm. Then 100 to 1,000 is like super hard, but a little easier. Yeah. And 1,000 to 10,000 is like, very hard, but even a little bit easier. And then yeah. it keeps getting easier and easier. And yep. I'm really interested to see if we notice that same kind of progression. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. if we still see this continue to compound and grow, you know? Oh, we put sure. so much into the social media that we put out. And it's, it's mm-hmm. very nice to see, you know, not just like we've always seen, you know, I talk about with like, you know, people that have their businesses and stuff. You know, the return on the investment from the standpoint of the amount of business we get through the social media from like a local standpoint. Mm-hmm. 100% worth it, obviously, right? But I'm, I really would like to see this continue to to grow from that bigger standpoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, just because all I see is the YouTube side of everything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, even this month we had the most views that we've ever had. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> YouTube has this little thing. It'll be like... The analytics. I yeah, think. but it, it says, like congratulations, you had so many people watch your video. Like, Mm -hmm. it literally said that. I was like, oh, thanks, YouTube. Well, so I go into these analytics, like, semi-regularly. And for the last couple of months, it's been in the green every time, meaning that we're up, right? I mean, like, like 84.8 thousand views in the last 30 days, right? Yeah. Or the last 28 days. Mm -hmm. 1.3 thousand hours of watch time in the last 28 days. And almost 300 new subscribers in the last 30 days is pretty freaking good. I'm pretty pumped on mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. And we we officially, like, I guess we've done good enough on the shorts or whatever on YouTube that now we qualified for monetization on that. So we, really? Yeah. We, so we hit there. I like, didn't even know you can monetize them. Yeah. In February, it's going to start. Nice. So, yeah. I just, like, it was like. Congratulations! You're you're eligible for this in February. So, another thing we started doing recently that I've really enjoyed doing that, you know, so much of this is is just experimenting constantly and not getting stagnant with the type of content you're putting out, right? Mm-hmm. So we've made a lot of changes to like how we edit the videos and mm-hmm. like you know increasing the quality of the video that we're putting up from a standpoint of just visually, right? You know, yeah. 1080p as opposed to you know, lower quality videos that are grainy and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which helps. Um, you know, we've made adjustments to like how we're captioning them and, and putting subtitles on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all of these things play a role in all this kind of stuff. You oh, know, yeah. Ella and Paige have put so much thought and emphasis into like how they're hashtagging and like tagging and like all those types of things, which has helped. But another thing that I've really enjoyed doing lately is with the vlog in particular so our structures you know we have three people that do media obviously so josh does the podcast and then he pulls clips from the podcast obviously page films our vlog right which is our long form video that you guys see on our youtube channel which is like our whole day worth of stuff and then ella will make reels out of those vlogs so she she makes it into like bite-sized pieces and Everybody does a phenomenal job with all of that, picking good content and stuff like that. But there are certain things, like when you look at social media and trying to build a personal brand, right? There is, at least from my standpoint, right? Like the brand of Miracle Canine Training, my brand, right? I have this vision in my head of like kind of what 
the message I'm trying to curate is. You know what I mean? Like what points I'm trying to push out to my audience and stuff like that. And no matter what, you know, when you have somebody that is not a dog trainer that's going in and clipping all of those things and pulling stuff, they could do a phenomenal job with it, right? Mm-hmm. But there's going to be certain areas and aspects where it's like just missing the mark a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? So what I've started doing is to, to alleviate some time from her and give her more time to focus on the editing and stuff like that. Every time Paige posts a vlog, I'll spend an hour where I go through it and I'm actually creating like, oh, this clip is really good. This clip is really good. This clip is really good. Mm-hmm. And that all of them time stamped, give them to her and then she'll go in and actually pull and edit and make it look like really visually stunning and stuff. Right. And it could just be a coincidence, but since we've started doing that has also been when we've really also started things, seeing things like really pop off. Mm -hmm. And I think it really is the combination of all of us are able to specialize more, right? I'm specializing in the message that I want to put out and making sure it's content that I feel like is really going to value the audience She's able to focus more on making the video look better and make the video uh, perform better from the standpoint of, again, how she's posting it with the hashtags and all that kind of stuff Mm. and the music she's putting on it and all those things. And Paige is able to just sit there and just make – we've been giving her more time to edit her vlogs. She's been able to make them – more cinematic, right? Because that's her thing, right? She's a mm. cinematographer, right? Yeah. She likes really good visual <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? Yep. So I think that combination of how we've all been kind of working together to do that has been a big reason why we've seen such great jumps over the last couple of months with things. So that's been really cool as well. And again, I've really enjoyed that because like I'm, I watch the videos and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like that's a really, I feel like the message, right? Just hits home a little bit better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's been really cool. I've really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. And I, I think it's cool um, to see the real life, you know, benefits that people get from this. You know, when people come in, they're like, oh, yeah. I saw this on the vlog or, you know, oh, I heard you talk about this on the podcast. So yeah. It's like, you know, we're we're getting the views, but we're also getting like the feedback that, mm-hmm. hey, this is actually helping people or, you know, they're really getting something out of it, you know. Yeah. Or just resonating. You know what I mean? Like some of the things, like I really like engaging in the comments with people. And since we've been shifting, again, the the bite-sized pieces we've been posting, Mm -hmm. I feel like we've been getting more engagement from a standpoint of people like, oh, that point really hits home or this Mm -hmm. or that. Because I feel like I'm able to, through the video, right – especially if like I'm on like a 15 minute rant, I'm able to pull the the one piece of that 15 minute rant that I re- feel, feel like really sums up the point that I was trying to yeah. make. So it just hits home a little bit better. We've had a couple like that, you know, again with Thor, he's the video that's really popped off on uh, on uh, TikTok. Like that video in particular that blew up, right? Or I'll play it real quick for everybody. And then I'll kind of talk about why I think it performed so well. Mm-hmm. This is just my fucking two cents, right? So. Yep. Well, nobody pushes the envelope, obviously. You know, when he's barking like he was when he came in, nobody's going to be going up and petting him or anything like that by any means. Where you see right now, he probably would have rather just got away from me and he went hid by you or something like that. But because I'm not allowing him to do that, he's escalating because he's learned that barking, growling makes people go away. So wait a minute. Barking, growling isn't working right now. So now I need to resort to biting, right? I need to resort to doing other things. So, So just a super short clip. Right. Mm-hmm. But it does a couple of things that I think can can provide value to people. Mm-hmm. Right. So first and foremost, 
anytime you're creating a piece of content, you need to ask yourself, is this providing entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Is it entertaining somebody? Is it answering a common question that people will ask? Mm -hmm. Or is it solving a problem that somebody has, Yeah. right? I feel like when I'm creating content, I try to look at, it has to address one of those things or else it's pointless, yeah. right? If it's just me talking about something, <laughs> but it doesn't, it's not entertaining, right? Mm -hmm. It's not actually answering the question, right? Or not clearly answering the question. Maybe it's like half of the answer to the question, right? But yeah. it's like the context is not there, so it doesn't make any sense. For sure. Or if it's not actually solving a problem, meaning, hey, this is how you solve your problem that you're having, it's mm -hmm. use, it's useless, right? Yeah. And I see this all the time. And, you know, we were guilty of posting some stuff like this before, before we really started analyzing, you know, like, why are we putting this exact reel out, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that video addresses two of those three things, potentially three of those things, right? So one, it's entertaining from the standpoint of like people like juicy drama videos, right? <laughs> sure. And the whole time that I'm talking in that video, that dog is basically trying to attack me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. So it's entertaining from that standpoint. You know, if you go through and read the comments, because there's like, I think like 2,000 comments on the video or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people are talking like, oh my God, like you're talking and, and staying calm and like not even flinching like when the dog is trying to bite you and stuff like that like visually it's an entertaining video from that standpoint yeah right <clears throat> provide some drama right two it's answering a common question that people have which is he was saying in the video he's like well he usually just barks at people like why is he like trying to bite you right now which is a common thing like if a lot of people that we see come in with dogs sometimes don't know how serious the dog actually is because the dog has never been put in a situation where they would be forced to act at their worst, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And again, that's not necessarily the goal there. We can get into yeah. the goal of like, why was I pushing the dog's envelope and stuff like that? But I explained very clearly, right? The reason why his behavior was escalating to a point that he had never seen before is because under 99% of circumstances, when Thor barks at a stranger that comes in the house or something like that because he's scared. Obviously, that's where his behavior is coming from. When he's barking at a guest that's coming into the house, that guest is going to be like, whoa, I don't want to mess with that dog, mm -hmm. right? So he has no need to escalate his behavior further from there, right? Mm -hmm. But because, and this is another thing people were kind of giving me shit on, they're like, oh, why are you antagonizing the dog, this and that. The dog is staying with us for four weeks, yeah. right? I have to be able to interact with the dog. I have yeah. to be able to put leashes and collars on him. I have to be able to touch him. It is not optional. Yeah. It is not optional, right? Mm -hmm. So that is why I was doing it. And to be clear, the method is not just poking his buttons, right? I was simply touching him, right? And when yeah. he would try to react and aggress at me to try to get my hand to go away, I would keep doing so. So I was removing the reinforcement behind what he was doing, mm -hmm. right? The reinforcement being I bite, person goes away, right? Mm. So, so I'm answering the question as to his behavior is intensifying right now because he's never been put in a position before where the behavior that he usually exhibits to make people go away does not work, mm -hmm. right? So he intensifies that behavior, yeah. right? And then three, does it solve a problem? 
it solves a problem from the standpoint of now we have 18,000 people or whatever it is that are now following us because of that video that want to see how we work through this problem. So because of that, what we've been doing is just squeezing the fuck out of the Thor content and posting as much as possible and filming as much as possible to show people how it progresses. And it's been really cool. We've posted maybe four or five kind of update videos, which are things talking about what we're working on with him, our strategy for how we're building confidence with him because he didn't have a whole lot of food drive initially. Uh, We've been posting um, updates on how we're going about safely muzzling and collaring him because that's his big, big fear, man. For whatever reason, he doesn't like collars, but we've talked about this, obviously. So we've showed the exact method of how I go about collaring him up every day before his training sessions. Um, And it, it helps answer that question because of that, right? So because it's hitting all three of those nails on the head, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of the reason why it really kind of popped off from there. So that's what I've noticed with quite a bit of it. I agree with that. I think, I think it's a great idea, too, to obviously give the people what they want. They want to see more of how they got to give them what it. they want. Yeah. But like I, I know I just know my for myself personally, you know, if someone posts like part one of blah 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 blah, and yeah, then yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to see the rest of it, you know. And I think that's a that's a great model to go through yeah. is like, you know, if there's someone that seems to be really popular, like mm-hmm. show them Keep the whole going. way. Yeah, I think I think you got to be careful with the part one, part two stuff because mm-hmm. sometimes I think what people will do with a part one, part two of things is they'll cut the part one before yeah. it does any of those three things. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? They'll cut it before they show really, you know, anything mm. that's that entertaining in it. They'll yeah. cut it before you give any sort of solutions or answers, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. It turns into one of those videos where it's like, well, that was pointless. It didn't <laughs> yeah. do anything for me. It didn't provide me entertainment or help me with any problems that I'm yeah. having, right? And I feel like I see that mistake quite a bit. So... So nonetheless, um, that's been really cool to see kind of the growth on the TikTok channel. Yeah. That page so far now, after this happened in the last week, has grown to be now. That's our that's our largest uh, largest channel that we have. So mm-hmm. so that's very cool, obviously. Nice. And um, you know we'll keep everybody posted on that. I think he's two weeks into his stay now, doing very very well. We posted some update videos the other day. He's starting to get really motivated and into the working. Mm-hmm. He's getting much more safe with the handling and stuff. So so that's been really cool to see. His owners have also really enjoyed following. Uh, obviously the progress along. Um, this is a dog that I think I may. Um, try to keep for a little bit longer than normal. Like we're making such good progress. And I talked about in one of the clips that we posted, you know, every day I'm looking for these like micro victories with him, right? Where instead Mm. of looking to move mountains really quick, I'm trying to just get like one little hurdle, one little hurdle, one little hurdle, one little hurdle that we can get past. And I really think this is a dog that truly would benefit from like a five or six weeks day. You know, yeah. where, you know, because, because, you know, obviously he's moving along slower than a lot of dogs would because of just where he's starting with things, you know, instead of starting mm-hmm. at like a nice neutral place or like a little bit below neutral, he's starting pretty far below neutral. So I really want to make sure we're not in a position where we need to rush everything. Uh, past that, our fighting brothers have been doing phenomenal. We posted quite a bit about them. I've talked about them on the podcast a little bit. They go home on Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe, of this coming week. So that's really exciting. That's Mm going to be another one where um, I was just talking to the owner this morning. Um, You know, we're probably going to restructure how we do that send home lesson a little bit. 
mm. um, from the standpoint of, you know, a lot of them, they come to the facility, work through the motions, minimal pressure for that first week. You know, yeah. obviously with fighting dogs, we got to take it really seriously initially. And because we pinpointed most of their issues being to like environmental stuff, I think mm. we're going to try to take them to the house for it and, and see how they respond when they get in there Ooh. and see if we could simulate or see as many situations as need be in the house mm. before we really let them, them go on their way you know yeah. let them go so that's going to be another interesting one yeah. i think if we do wind up doing that which we probably will we're going to try to uh we're going to try to film that entire send home lesson because i think that's going to be a very very interesting one uh for people to see and i think it's like i said it's going to be not like your average send home lesson it's going to be one where we try probably try to spend a good majority of the day with the owners you know yeah. really just take our time with things and, and and set them up for success as best as we possibly can mm-hmm so, you know, what I just thought of, I think it would be a great idea is, you know, maybe one of these interesting cases, if you could even maybe talk to the owners to getting on this podcast, so they could talk about their like, you know, the sin home and how that yeah. went and everything and like kind of see their point of view as well. You know, I've considered, I remember when we first started the podcast, that was one thing I thought about doing was starting to get owners on and talk to them about things. And I would really like to do that. Yeah. Um, that might be a that might be a good one. Maybe, you know, if not with them, uh, with somebody, you know, if somebody feels comfortable. Because that's the biggest thing is I know a lot of this is like really weird and awkward to like come on yeah, and talk for sure. about. And then past that. You know, ninety nine point nine percent of people like just freeze in front of the camera. Yeah, you know, yeah, like even sure. our trainers, right? Like when we first started filming, a lot of them, dude, you put the camera on them. Yeah, like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just it's a, it's a, it's a skill that takes some getting used to. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. So I would want to make sure that it would actually provide some value to people. Yeah, you for know? sure. And and it's somebody that I feel like is really going to feel comfortable doing. Yeah, it's a, or maybe yeah, like someone that's been really involved. You know, yeah. with their post training. Of course, you know. Yeah, I, th- I do think that could be a really cool idea for sure. Yeah, especially I mean, yeah, like if they if somehow the stars align, it's like the perfect like yeah kind of crazy case, or it's like the fighting dogs or something. It's like, wow, how did you work through that? And like when you got them home, I 100%. think it'd be it'd be cool to hear the 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 second part of the story, you know, because what we're telling is always the first part. Like we yeah, okay, yeah. we got them where you can handle them now, you know, mm-hmm. so. Just just throwing the juices out there, the, the creative flow. Yeah, yeah, that could be <laughs> tight. So that's cool. That's been what's new in the last week with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so last week, obviously, our podcast was really good. We've kind of bounced around from a lot of different topics. Um, and we had a couple that we kind of left off on. You know, again, we've been really riding on the talking about current clients we've been working with, talking yeah. about, um, you know, adjustments we've been making to things and how we've been combating more interesting issues and just present good conversation from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I have two more here that we didn't get to yesterday. Cool. Not yesterday, last week. Um, that will kind of burn on a little bit. I was going to say yesterday. Wait, what? <laughs> Not yesterday. Um, okay, so first one. So we have a client we're working with right now. It's actually one of Bridget's clients um, that I've kind of been helping her with a little bit because it's a very quirky case, right? Ooh. So we get all sorts of issues that come in, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it literally is everything, right? We get puppies, we get adult dogs, we get aggression, we get anxiety. Mm-hmm. We're having a, this is a dog that has very serious um, we'll call it anxiety-driven housebreaking issues, right? Mm-hmm. So they have this new dog. He's a big guy, right? Mm-hmm. Harold, I believe is his name. 
Very proper name. <laughs> yeah, right? Harold. And Harold is having some real serious issues with having explosive shits all over the house <laughs> in his crate. Right? And listen, uh. some people like to talk about, oh, aggressive dogs are so challenging. I can't imagine how much stress the owner is under this, that. Sometimes these types <laughs> of cases are like tenfold that. Yeah. Right? Tenfold the amount of stress that you could have working with like an actual serious dangerous dog. Mm-hmm. Imagine being scared to leave your house for five minutes because your dog will have explosive diarrhea all over everything and themselves. Yeah. Every no, time you leave the house. Right? Nope. Nope. That sounds horrendous. Yeah. Right? So when Vinny was young, Vinny had a lot of issues like this where he would have like really terrible accidents in his crate when he got overly stressed out by stuff because he had really bad crane anxiety when he was younger. And that was fucking terrible. Imagine <laughs> coming. All right. I remember multiple times getting home from wherever it was that I was going, even if it was a short period of time. Right. And I remember walking, unlocking my front door and opening the door. And as you're opening the door, you just catch that. Oh, yeah. that whiff, yeah. right? And you just <laughs> know. Oh, yeah. You just know what's waiting for you in the other room. <laughs> Dude, terrible, terrible. There were yeah. some times, I remember one time in particular, my parents were meeting me at my house and we were going to go out to dinner for something, right? And I remember I was running late. They were waiting in the driveway for me. And I remember just opening the door. I was like, oh, I'm going to just go let the dogs out real quick, right? And I opened the door and hit me rage i saw red i saw red (laughs) yeah that proceeded to like an hour of cleaning and washing dogs and just fucking disaster so so i say all this to say i could empathize with this client and other people that are dealing with stuff like this Mm -hmm. like no problem i totally get it right (laughs) and you know a lot of times it's not as simple as just you know just take them out more, right? Sometimes you really have to get strategic with how you're managing everything, right? Mm-hmm. So so whatever. So this owner was having problems very consistently, multiple times a week, you know, like four or five times a week was having accents in the crate, whether the dog was peeing or pooping or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's just so frustrated by it. And she lives in like a condo, so it's not even like she has a yard she could just let the dog into or anything like that. She's got to take him out on a leash. The dog, and we see this a lot with with shelter dogs and stuff, they have a very hard time associating being out on the walk with going to the bathroom. Like some dogs are just used to like, when I'm free and can run, I go, but when mm. I'm on a leash, I don't, Yeah. right? And that could be such a pain in the ass. So, so whatever. So she came in for a session, a couple sessions in, and, you know, we started kind of talking about how are things going. She's really frustrated. She's like, I just can't get this under control, right? So so we sat down, and this is what I do when I get clients in like this, right? We sit down, and we evaluate literally everything. Mm-hmm. I need to know when you leave the house, when you feed the dog, how much you're feeding the dog, when they like to drink water, how long after they eat food is it, is it before they go to the bathroom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then we need to come up with a plan that allows us to just be successful one day at a time. That's it. You can't look at like a month, <laughs> uh, uh, this, that, yeah. right? One day at a time, we need to set this dog up for success. And one day turns into two, two to three, three to four, et cetera, et cetera, until you turn into it's been a year and we're good, right? Again, this Mm -hmm. is the same thing I I dealt with with Vinny. So first and foremost, we needed to figure out, does he have consistent 
water intake and consistent food intake, right? Mm-hmm. Water has not been a problem, right? He doesn't really drink a ridiculous amount of water, and most of his accidents are not him peeing, right? Mm-hmm. So that was an easy one, right? We came up with a plan, right? Where, and luckily, she's working from home right now, so she doesn't really leave the house that much to begin with. So we're mm-hmm. able to be extra diligent about this to kind of start setting some routines, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we put in place a general protocol. Where, okay, he's got access to water all the time. If you notice that he's guzzling a ton of water, right, you need to set an alarm on your phone, on your microwave, something like that for 15 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Take him outside in 15 minutes and let him pee. Bring him back in. As soon as you get back in, set another alarm for 15 minutes. Take Mm -hmm. him out again. Let him pee, right? The reason why we did two of them like that is... Again, let's look at this like humans, right? If you chug down a 48-ounce thing of fucking water because you just worked out at the gym really hard or something, yeah, you have to pee multiple times to clear all that out, right? <laughs> yeah. I know me. If I drink a ton of water, I'm peeing three times over the next hour, right? <laughs> Dogs are no different than that if they're guzzling a ton of water. Oh, yeah. And most people make the mistake you hear all the time, right? I took my dog out, and they went, and then I brought him in, and they had an accident inside when I brought him in. But they just went outside. I was like, well, they still had stuff in them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you got to be diligent about that. So that's how we start addressing the water intake, right? Is we'd be mindful of when he's having a lot of water all at once, right? Mm. And then we take him out multiple times, not just one, right? Mm. And that teaches him to start holding the bladder for the next time because it's not like one time and then we don't let you out for five hours. It's one time and then in like 15 or 20 minutes, I'm going to let you out again. So just hold it, mm-hmm. right? Um, the other thing, a lot of people when they're having dogs have accidents, like when they're peeing a lot in the house, a lot of people like to play this game of managing water, right? Meaning like mm. we see this a lot where people are like, well, I'll just give them a little bit with meal time. I'll give them a little bit and take it away and then put it down again and take it away. And I promise you that's the worst thing you could do with dogs that are having a lot of accidents, right? Mm. All you are doing is teaching the dog to fucking guzzle water every time Mm. you set it down, right? Because you're saying, it's only available now for two minutes. (laughs) So during these two minutes, chug down as much of it as you possibly can. You need the dog to hit a point where they realize water is not a scarce resource. It's going to be available all the time. So just drink it when you're thirsty. Mm -hmm. That's it. And what you'll find is over time, because Vinny had a problem with this as well. He would just guzzle fucking water, right? And as I started giving him more and more and more and more and more and more access to it, he just goes over and gets a couple sips every now and then. And we don't have as many issues with that because his Mm -hmm. intake is regulated better, right? The only times I notice him guzzle it and the only time I notice other dogs guzzle it in situations where they're having a lot of accents is maybe right when you let him out of the crate or something. Mm -hmm. And that's where you just got to set your timers, you know, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe even one more for 15 minutes to set yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. And then you're good to go, right? Yeah. So that was how we started addressing the water thing. Now, this isn't considered managing water, but another thing I'll usually instruct is like, if you know you're going to leave the house, cut the water like an hour and a half before you leave, right? Okay. That way they don't take in anymore, right? That way they have enough time to clear all of it out of their system before they go into the crate. Right. Mm -hmm. So the water was not that much of an issue with this dog. Right. Again, those little tweaks will help them for sure. But um, it's not by any means that was not the priority. Right. The priority was that he was shitting everywhere. (laughs) Right. So we start talking about feeding schedule. Right. Mm -hmm. She started. 
and and again, a lot of owners will start to do this to try to figure out solutions for things. She yeah. started messing with her feeding schedule a lot where she was feeding him twice in the evening as opposed to in the morning to try to stop him from having accidents. And it was just throwing his digestive tract off yeah. completely, right? So she would feed like one meal at like 7 p.m. and one meal at like 10 p.m. And then he'd be sitting there with like four cups of food in him. And then again, his stomach would probably hurt the next morning because yeah. he wasn't eating anything. And it just throws everything off. Yeah. So we've got to have a consistent feeding schedule but we got to make sure that times that we're feeding are set up where we have enough time for him to clear all of that out of his system before mm-hmm. he leave the house. Yeah. Right? Same process, right? We were able to isolate when she typically needs to go to the house. And really right now, the only time she really needs to go to the house is she goes to the gym in the morning and the evening, mm-hmm. right? So what we did is we figured it out where it's like if she goes to the gym at, say, five o'clock in the morning which is a time that she said she usually will do it and five o'clock in the evening then what we could do is we could do our meal time at 7 a.m and 7 p.m yeah right and then we know that she's home with him for multiple hours after he eats that breakfast and she's home with him for the rest of the evening in the evening when she feeds him that dinner Mm -hmm. right so we did that we made those adjustments to it and um I told her, I was like, all right, so now we got to figure out and we need to get a general time frame of when does he actually need to go to the bathroom? How long before he needs to clear this food out of his system? Mm -hmm. And sometimes with dogs that aren't yet really housebroken like that, you need to do it where you map it out and chart it out really clearly. So I told her, all right, you're going to feed, let's say you feed at 7 a.m., right? 7 a.m., eats the food, right? Set a timer, and I tell everybody, literally use timers for this, because if you don't, time will get ahead of you, and suddenly it's two hours later, and you forgot, mm-hmm. and then you had an act, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to be really, really diligent about this. Mm-hmm. So set a timer for 45 minutes after 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. 7.45, take him out for like five minutes. Don't dilly-dally out there for yeah. a half an hour or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Take him out for like five minutes, mm-hmm. right? If he doesn't go, bring him back in. Mm-hmm. Set another timer for 45 minutes. Okay. 45 minutes later, take him out. Let him go. If he doesn't go, bring him back in. Set another timer for 45 minutes. And what you'll find is as you keep doing that, whether it's uh, an hour and a half, whether it's two hours and 15 minutes, whether it's three hours, at some point he's going to go to the bathroom, right? Mm -hmm. And then you'll kind of get that victory of, all right, it was three hours today, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe instead of three hours later, maybe next time I feed him, I'll set a timer for two hours. Right, okay. And I'll try it two hours. And if he mm-hmm. goes, great. Then next time I just set the hour for two hours. If he doesn't go at two hours, then I do 45 minutes later, two hours and 45 minutes. And you figure out, again, where is the exact time when he's ready to go? Yeah. Right? Every dog will get on a schedule with this once they start figuring out the game of things. Yeah. Right? And you got to be strategic of tracking that, figuring out the similarities of it, and then you figure out, okay, cool. If I feed at 7 a.m. by uh, 9.15, he has to go to the bathroom. So you start just letting him out at 9.15. Right. Or whatever it may be. Right. So that was working. Right. We did this. This was about a week ago. Right. We just saw him yesterday or the day before. Right. And um, he boarded with us overnight on Saturday for something. No accidents in the crate when he boarded with us. He was very good, obviously. And uh, she came in and she's like, things were good. Right. We didn't have any accidents in the crate. I think she had one the night that he came home from that training, but that was because she hadn't yet started the feeding schedule, right? He was mm-hmm. still eating two in the in, in the evening. It was it was pretty predictable, right? Yeah. But after that, zero accidents. We had like six days of success with him. I was like, boom, six days of success. Yeah. We got to keep the momentum going, right? But she said the issue that she ran into was that 
he was holding it for really, really long periods of time, meaning she changed all the feeding. She's been being mindful and taking him out every 45 minutes and stuff like that. But she gave me the example of like that night, like he hadn't gone, he hadn't pooped in like 24 hours. He was just like holding it. She's like, I'm taking him out every 45 minutes, but it just hasn't clicked yet that outside means go. He literally just hasn't learned it yet. It's not like he was being disobedient or anything. He was just holding it, like waiting for whatever, right? He hasn't realized that it's okay. So we took him out back. We were able to kind of, you know, get him to engage, sniff around, stuff like that. We got him to go out there. And the other thing she said was the next day was going to be the first day in a while she needed to leave him in his crate for eight hours, right? So I was like, all right, well, again, we need to keep the success going. We know eight hours is going to be really challenging for him, so here's what you're going to do. I was like, to keep him successful, we just got him to poop tonight, meaning he cleared out everything from the last 24 hours. And sorry, guys, this is a a poop and pee podcast today, (laughs) right? So we got him to clear everything out of his system, right? And I told her, I was like, we need to keep him successful tomorrow, right? He Mm -hmm. ate his dinner already tonight. We got him to poop already. I was like, don't feed him breakfast in the morning. Just skip your breakfast and don't feed a heavy dinner either. He's going to miss a meal. He's going to survive. It's going to be fine. You know what I mean? But that's going to not 100% guarantee, but it's going to put you in a position where the chances of him going in the crate are very minimal then at that point. Yeah. Right? So we did that. I actually haven't talked to her to see, um, I'll have to ask Bridget uh, if she heard from her or not, if uh, it went well or not. But my assumption is that it worked, right? Um, And and this is where I get into you. You got to be strategic about some of this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then if we had a day where it's like, wow, he held it for eight hours, eight hours, Mm -hmm. right? No accident in the crate. Boom. Huge victory. Yeah. We keep the momentum going. You know what I mean? And the other thing is on top of this, because right now he's just learned, I go in the crate, right? The crate is where I go. And then he suffers the consequences. Him being stuck in it or anything like that is not a deterrent for him or anything like that. He's Mm -hmm. basically, you're basically reverse housebreaking this dog, right? Yeah. We need to teach him going outside is okay. And every time we get a victory of him having an act, not having an accident, him going outside instead of inside, mm-hmm. it will make it easier and easier and easier and quicker and quicker yeah. and quicker that he goes next time. So instead of him holding it for 24 hours, maybe he holds it for 12 hours. Yeah. And then maybe he holds it for six hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and this is how you start to work through some of these things. But these are issues that, you know, as a trainer, sometimes we can look at it like, we didn't get fucking hired for this, right? We got hired to teach your dog how to do commands and stuff like that. <laughs> but no, we yeah. got hired for this, yeah, right? And our job is to use our brain and our knowledge of working with dogs all the time and our personal experiences with dogs and stuff like that to help you come up with a solution for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it could be a real fucking pain in the ass sometimes, but that is how we go about working through those types of things. And I thought that was a very interesting... Uh, I thought that was a very interesting one for sure. Yeah. No, I really like that. <clears throat> it's funny because you, if you really think about it, like, can you just poop on command if you don't need to go at that point? No. Yeah. That's the thing. But I would assume that most humans can are pretty... Con- well, that, and they're pretty <laughs> consistent with their schedules, right? That's very true. We know our own schedule. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. do we need to, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I feel that. Like, like so so we just have to get dogs on that same schedule, right? Dogs have a schedule as well, right? Yeah. They digest things the same way, especially since we're feeding them the same fucking shit every day, right? <laughs> yeah. Their schedule is way more predictable than ours mm-hmm. is, obviously. So we just need to figure out what that schedule is. Yeah. So a lot of times we look at it from the lens of like, oh, the dog needs to adapt to us. Instead, we need to figure out what the dog's schedule is and adapt around that. Yeah, that's right? true. So that's how we go about working through those types of things. Um, okay. Last thing that was on my list, right? The, the note here was consistency with safety related things, right? So, Mm -hmm. so I have a client we're working with right now, 
right? Okay. And, you know, this is not intended to shame this client by any means, right, or anything like that. But mm-hmm. this client is really struggling with consistency, mm. right? Now, listen, everybody struggles with consistency. Oh, yeah. It's not, again, this isn't a her problem. This isn't an anybody problem. We all struggle with consistency with things sometimes. Yeah. The problem is the consistency with safety-related things. Now, what do I mean mm. by that? This dog is having really serious, we'll call it pica, right? Meaning ingesting things that they shouldn't ingest, Uh, right? mm -hmm. This dog loves eating socks and underwear and all that fucking shit that dogs love eating. It's always the socks. And the problem is this dog now has had one, maybe two blockage surgeries that have needed to be done, right? The dog is still eating and shitting out socks all the time, right? And this person is really, really struggling getting a handle on this, right? Yeah. (sighs) This is such a hard one, right? Because I get it, right? I understand to an extent Mm -hmm. that consistency can be hard with things, right? But when we're talking like safety related things, right? Mm-hmm. Things that like like this could realistically kill this dog, right? I've met yeah. dogs before that have had so many blockage surgeries that they don't have any intestine left to My remove, God. right? Because if you look at the blockage surgery, I yeah. I think again, I'm not a vet, I'm not a, sur- a dog surgeon here, but I'm pretty sure they have to cut out a piece of the intestine to remove that blockage and then sew it back together. Right. And you do that enough times, that intestine gets shorter and shorter and shorter, where it starts becoming really dangerous for the dog. Mm -hmm. Right. The surgeries aren't good for them alone. Yeah. But that continues to happen. Right. So they're not cheap either. (laughs) No, super expensive as well. Right. So, so we really need to make this. Sometimes we can get so stuck in our head about. Why are you like look the dog? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you still doing this? You need to learn not to eat these things. Mm-hmm. Whatever you know what I mean. We can get so stuck in our head about like looking at the dog yeah. and needing for them to fix the behavior. But this is the same thing as what we talked about with the accidents, right? Mm-hmm. You have to assume one hundred percent responsibility, right? And you need to take control of this situation, right? Yeah. It is not optional for the safety of the dog, for the safety of everybody involved, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to make sure this stuff doesn't happen, right? And sometimes that's hard. I have this client, this this conversation with clients all the time when it comes to dogs that are just, let's say, getting into things and not necessarily ingesting stuff, but just tearing Mm -hmm. things up, right? You need to be able to one day at a time block this pattern from happening, right? Forget solving the problem for a minute, right? At this point, multiple blockage surgeries, multiple eating things, there should not be a scrap of laundry even laying around (laughs) in the house. Exactly. It can't. No. The only way you will get past this is by first and foremost making sure the dog has no ability of rehearsing it. And it's not like it's unpredictable things every time. It's the same shit every time this dog is consuming. Yeah. Right? You've got to put, you you have to go back to puppy. You have to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. You just have to. Right. And I don't know. Sometimes as trainers, like we got to figure out like what's holding us back. You know what I mean? Like what is holding us back from getting the success we need to with this? And a lot of it is just not being able to be strategic enough about it. Right. Take one day. Right. If you're struggling with this issue at home. Right. Take one day. Right. And let's say your trainer says you got to get this under control. Right. Your first homework assignment that first day is not do anything with the dog. The first day you have to go around your house and you need to put literally everything away. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to do that, 
you need to ask yourself the question of, would I rather get rid of this dog or would I rather puppy-proof my house? Mm. That's a good one. Like, like, tough. Like, like, if you're not going to do that, yeah. you need to just get rid of the dog. Maybe. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because, because it's this, again, this is safety, right? Yeah. Like, the dog can die over this. Yeah. 100%. Right? And I don't even know, like, I, I wrote this down and I wanted to talk about it. I don't even know exactly, like, like what I want to say about it. Yeah. Other than it's, it's frustrating to me sometimes when I see people in this position where they're struggling. Yeah. Like, I feel for the owner. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want them to have to spend thousands of dollars on surgeries. I don't yeah. want them to have to, like, worry about their shit getting eaten all the time. But sure. I also am looking at it from the dog's perspective of, like, you're not doing anything to stop the dog from doing You're doing yeah, nothing exactly. to stop the dog from doing it. So why would the dog not continue to rehearse that behavior? Yeah. Right? So first and foremost, you got to put everything away. Just mm-hmm. put everything, unless you live in a freaking 25,000 square foot house <laughs> where you can't, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, like, and even then you could gate the fucking dog off somewhere or something yeah. like that. But, but there's no way that you can't just put everything away. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got drawers, you got closet, throw everything in the fucking, you ever play that where you need to clean your house and you get shit everywhere yeah, and you need to just throw everything in the closet for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Literally throw everything in the closet yeah. for a little bit, right? And yeah. keep the fucking door closed, right? Yeah. Your laundry room, gated off so the dog can't get into it. Like, yeah. like just put everything away. And if yeah. you do that, and you could just go one week, one week where the dog doesn't eat something, right? Yeah. Take a, another thing I tell people. Get a leash. Clip the leash onto the dog. Get one of those waist <laughs> leashes. No, I'm fucking serious. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The, one of those waist leashes and have that dog attached to your goddamn hip. Yeah. 24 7. 24-7. Yeah. Right? Stick the dog in a crate if you need to go to the shower. Right? If you're going mm-hmm. to the bathroom, the dog's fucking going in with you. Yeah. Right? Like one week. You have to go one week where the dog does not rehearse this behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And and again, I know it's hard, but it's not that hard. No. And that's something sometimes like like we you need to be told, right? Like it's not that hard. Yeah. Right? It might be annoying, but it's very easy to do, right? Yeah. Okay. So we got one week of success then, right? Then we go for one more week. Let's get two weeks of success. Let's start reshifting this habit of I just eat shit all the time. From there, we can actually start working on the problem. But before you actually start working on the problem, you've got to do your part in making sure you're preventing it from happening. You're managing the situation very, 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 very well. Yeah. Right? From there, once you've managed the situation very well, every single day for a week, you need to set the situation up and you need to very, very, very clearly and firmly address and stop the behavior. Meaning, you're going to put your e-collar on the dog. You're going to turn it all the way up. You're going to take a couple socks, throw them in the middle of the room. They're going to be the only things that are out that the dog can possibly ingest. Mm -hmm. You're going to put your computer or your phone on FaceTime, you're going to walk into the other room, watch, and the second the dog even sniffs the sock, you are going to absolutely crush that behavior. Yeah. You are going to make it the most uncomfortable thing to even touch the socks. Mm -hmm. And you're going to do that every day for a week. And what you're going to find is if you do that every day for a week, maybe the first two days the dog goes for it, the next four days or five days, the dog will not even look at the sock. Yeah. 
And then you finally start to get somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And again, that is how you stop something like this. Mm-hmm. That is it. There is no alternative. Yeah. But the most important part of the equation is not even correcting the dog for the behavior. The most important part of the equation is you have to manage your dog better and ensure this stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. And again, I, I really do feel for this owner and other people that are in this situation because I know it's frustrating. I know you don't want the dog to be doing it. I know, right? But I also know that you don't have an alternative. And if you want to safely keep this dog and be a responsible owner, this is what you need to do to get past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First thing, like you said, just set the dog up for success. Like, if there's something there, just take it away. Just put it away. And yeah. spend one day just puppy-proofing the house. Yeah. One day. That's all you need. <clears throat> so, Check. that was the other thing that was on my list. Check. <laughs> Check. It's a frustrating one. Like I said, like, I really, yeah. like, I'm not here out trying to bash owners by any means, right? Yeah. And I, I don't want it to seem like that's what I'm doing with this one, but this is the conversation we've been having with this person. The, mm-hmm. you, you have, there's no, you have to get this under control. You just have yeah. to, you know? Yeah. I think the, the big thing that you talked, you, you said there was, um, <clears throat> oh, the dog's doing this. It's the dog's fault. Like, but. And that's not, and when I said that, that wasn't even like they were saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could yeah. tell in the back of their head, though, it's like, why yeah. is the dog yeah, doing the mentality, this? You yeah. know what I mean? The mentality is, why is the dog doing it? And mm-hmm. we've got to shift that mentality from that to, why am I allowing this to happen still? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the those are the new things. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it, too. <laughs> well, I don't like the last one. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a, it's an unfortunate situation, but, you know. I don't understand, man. It's always the socks. Why the socks? Dogs fucking love the stinky Dude, shit. They love the stinky feet. Yeah. Yeah. And and the problem is too, like once they start to develop this as a habit, mm-hmm. it really amplifies. Yeah. Right? It's like a fixation. It's a fixation. They eat it a couple times. They like it for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> and it's like they start realizing I'm getting away with this every time I rehearse it. And if they're rehearsing it once a week, once every mm-hmm. other week, it's like it just keeps compounding and building on itself. Yep. So Got to nip that in the butt. Nip it in the butt. So don't hesitate, though. Like, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you have an 8, 9, 10-year-old dog. If you're struggling with a dog rehearsing behaviors when you're not watching them, I'm telling you, the first thing you need to do before you even start any training, just have that dog attach your fucking hip at all times. I'm serious, yeah. right? Do not let that dog out of your goddamn sight, whatever you need yeah. to do, right? That is where it starts. Mm-hmm. It is where it starts. And if people would start doing that alone before they're having issues of just until this dog really knows the rules, they're not getting out of my sight. You're going to have a lot less behavioral issues you need to go in and fix later on. Yeah. So that's all. It's literally going back to the puppy stages. I mean, when we were talking about puppies, you know, a long time ago, it's like, keep that thing in your sight. Yeah. And and I think the problem is people think that with puppies. Well, some people don't. Some people still let the puppy go and do whatever (laughs) they want when they're not supervising. Yeah. That's common knowledge when you get a new puppy to not let it out of your sight. It should be common knowledge to do that with your dog, regardless of the age, if you're having issues with them. Honestly, yeah. So that's all I got. All right. All right, guys. We're going to wrap that up on that. Catch you guys in 105. See you.